This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Barbara Ramirez. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. This evening, we bring you a very meaningful DJ special edition on Palestine. Brought to you from two of our own members, Isadine Mustafa, a Palestinian creative, storyteller, and longtime Generation Justice member, and Matas Jaber, a 16-year-old Palestinian-American and community organizer. Matas has been with DJ for four years. This hour of radio is full of memories about Palestine, love, and music from Palestinian artists, starting with Palestine and Tiroch by Mohamed Asaf, selected by Matas Jaber. What is going on in Palestine? How do Palestinians and Palestinian Americans describe this land? Longtime DJ member Isadine Mustafa is a Palestinian creative and storyteller who was raised here in Albuquerque. He has been waving between colonial borders and Tiwa territory to Palestine and has been part of the DJ family for 11 years. DJ member Matas Jaber is 16 years old and a senior at La Cueva High School. He is a Muslim Palestinian American who was born and raised here in Albuquerque as well. Matas is the youngest of nine and he considers himself very family-oriented. Matas has been part of the DJ family for four years. Now, here is 16-year-old Zan Dixon speaking with Isadine Mustafa and Matas Jaber on Palestine. Isadine, Matas, welcome to Generation Justice. It's great to have you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well, can you please share some more about yourselves? Sure, I'll, I'll start. My name is Izzedine Mustafa, go by Izzy. I am a Palestinian based in the U.S., grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and in between here and Palestine. Uh, organizer, creative, storyteller, and I focus a lot of my work on the Palestinian cause and have been since I was a young person. And I'm so grateful to be here. So thank you for having me on. Hi, my name is Mokas Javid. I'm 16. I am just a high schooler. I do what I can to be involved in the activities and movements that we do have here in Albuquerque for Palestine because I just want to represent my people. And fortunately, I do have Generation Justice to give a platform to the Palestinians that have no platform of power to defend themselves and to speak their truth. So yeah, thank you guys very much. Well, not to be a little bit broad, but can you give us a short overview of that? what's going on in Palestine right now? Sure. So currently right now in Palestine, we have seen a new type of movement against the settler colonial project of Israel. What we are seeing right now is a culmination of people's fatigue and anger and exhaustion mixed in with 
the continued legacy of resistance to fight for our land, to fight for our freedom, and to fight for our people. And the young people of Sheikh Jarrah have been fighting this and have lived this for their whole lives. And there is new momentum of Palestinians in this neighborhood to fight in multiple ways of resistance through arts, resistance through sit-ins, resistance through social media, resistance through basically naming what is happening in this neighborhood, which is what we call settler colonialism and what we call apartheid. Okay. Um, well, can you please share more about yourself with us? My name is Maktas Javid. I'm 16. I'm about to go into my senior year of high school. I'm a Palestinian American and I was born and raised here in Albuquerque. And my whole family has been involved with activism for Palestine and, of course, fighting for what's right. So I've been raised in the setting of justice for Palestine. So it's like, I just feel if I don't speak up about what's happening, I'm not giving my ancestors justice because this isn't, it's not like this is a recent thing that's happening. This has been going on for far long. So yeah, speaking up for Palestine and not speaking for the Palestinians that don't have a voice. I'm doing my ancestors injustice because that's what they were fighting for. This is a 70 year long conflict. So yeah. May you please share like a short overview around the history of Palestine? Just a brief foundation of understanding what is happening in Palestine. You have to understand what was the beginnings of this, right? And I'm going to start at the timeline of 1948, which is marked to Palestinians as our Nakba, which means our catastrophe. And it was when Zionist militias, and Zionism is the ideology that believes that Jews have a right to a state and only them. And so Zionist militias came into Palestinian villages, into Palestinian cities, into you know everyday Palestinian life that was going on and disrupted it with guns, with bombs, with artillery, and forced out over 750,000 Palestinians from their lands, in which you find, you know, still to this day, we are one of the largest refugee populations in the world. And there's still Palestinians outside of Palestine who are scattered in refugee camps, as well as inside of Palestine, and they're known as internally displaced peoples. But this was kind of the marking of a settler colonial project. Zionism is a settler colonial project, um, which means that they come to our lands, steal our lands with the intention of settling there and driving out the indigenous populations. And so in 1948, when that happened, they subjected military rule on the indigenous Palestinian population. And in 1967, that's when they implanted officially the military occupation of Palestine. And what that means is Palestinians have to live under Israeli rule. There are different areas that have different laws for Palestinians. We have different laws than from Israeli Jews. And there's different statuses and ID cards that we hold as Palestinians. So what Israel has done has created laws that fragmented us from each other. Uh, for instance, Palestinians in Gaza, they've been under siege for over 15 years now. And they are basically subjected to an open-air prison it's hard for them to get out of that open-air prison, and it's hard for anybody to get in that open-air prison. So if you talk to somebody in the West Bank, a young person who's 16, 17 years old, they've never met anybody, a Palestinian from Gaza, in the flesh, right? And then in, in Palestinian citizens of Israel, they're technically not allowed to go to the West Bank. And so there's all of these laws that fragment us from each other, and also these laws that 
oppress us. And whether it's freedom of movement, like I said, there's over 500 checkpoints, <laughs> which means you drive you know, in the West Bank, you can hit a checkpoint in which an Israeli soldier, an 18-year-old Israeli soldier with a, armed with an M16 can interrogate you, ask you where you're going. A lot of Palestinians have been killed at these checkpoints, especially recently there was a surge in 2015 in which like they'll justify saying, oh, you know, like there's a car ramming attack and we'll kill a Palestinian. But what that means is, and I've experienced this myself, is where, you know, sometimes you're mindlessly driving and you accidentally hit the brake really fast or you hit the gas really fast, right? And in that moment, you can get shot, right? And so there's the checkpoints, there's the apartheid wall, which was created in 2000, which was finished in 2004, which basically is a way to land grab, like grab more Palestinian land. There's laws that prevent Palestinians from farming. We're a culture of farming and agriculture, and they've created ways to restrict that. And so basically the history of Palestine like is like, Palestinians have have been resisting against this settler colonial project in, in its most concrete form. What we're seeing right now is young people rising up and mending this colonial fragmentation and continuing the legacy that has, you know, predated actually 1948, but a legacy of resistance in different forms where, you know, and it's starting right now in this particular moment in the heart of Jerusalem which is a neighborhood called Sheikh Jarrah. And in Sheikh Jarrah, what we're seeing is for 11 years, Palestinian families of Sheikh Jarrah have been under threat of Israeli settlers coming in and basically stealing their homes through like state sponsored. So through the district court, they're allowing settlers from Long Island, from Brooklyn to, and from Florida to come into these homes and kick out Palestinian families who have lived there for generations. And there's a movement of young Palestinians, like I mentioned, particularly, I would say, spearheaded by the Al-Kurd family, the Al-Kurd twins, Mohammed and Mona Al-Kurd, who have been fighting for their home. Literally, the first time I met them, when they were 10 years old, fighting for their homes. And now they're 23, and they're still fighting for their homes. But they've kind of sparked this resurgence of hope, I would say. Because over the past 10 years, Palestinians living under the boots of occupation, of apartheid, of the settler colonial regime are fatigued, exhausted, tired. Like living daily under occupation is like gut-wrenching. It's, it's, it's a tiring thing. And so what we're seeing now because of this spark in the heart of Jerusalem from these two young people, and we're seeing it, like I said, across Palestine and outside is giving us a re time to imagine and envision a future in which, you know, hope is actually, and hope and freedom are on the horizon. Well, thank you, Izzy, for the brief introduction to the subject of Palestine. Uh, what I'd like to ask next is, what does Palestine mean to you? What do you love about Palestine? Mata? So what I love the most about Palestine is we're unapologetically who we are and where I think personally me, I'm not afraid to speak up for my people and my land. And I get that I, it's a generational thing. It's something that our that my parents taught me is if I don't, who is gonna speak up for the Palestinians? Who's gonna be the one that's gonna tell people the unjust things that are happening? And so I guess I just love the most that I can. And I love that I can do that since I do live in America and I do have that privilege. And so yeah, that's what I love the most about being Palestinian, just 
unapologetically being who I am. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, I think Motaz hit it on the head. And it's really about just being this pride that we feel as being Palestinian. It's within our culture, our music, our food. I think um, kind of growing up between two worlds, between the U.S. and in Palestine, it's really given me a lot of perspective on just how, you know, when you are somebody who comes from a uh, a people who's oppressed, you carry a lot of love for others in the same situation, right? Like, I think that you really find this love for people who are also resisting same systems of oppression. Just to add on to that question, when you're thinking of Palestine, what do you remember and what do you hold dear to your heart? Like what comes to the heart about it? So personally, I haven't been to Palestine yet just because it's really dangerous just to go there. And especially for an American, although I do have my American rights and my American passport and my American citizenship, it still is scary. I plan on going soon hopefully. But I think like, since I don't necessarily have anything to remember there, I guess just remembering like how my city, my uh, my grandmother would describe it and how like before 1948, when everything happened, she would describe how she would go out to our farm and pick olives. And it was just so peaceful and so like just beautiful. And I just hold on and remember like, inshallah, hopefully, that will happen again one day. And it will happen again one day. The first time I went to Palestine, I was like a young kid, like very young. And I remember getting off the plane, going through this border through Jordan with my family, and then having this experience where it was like during the uh, second Intifada. So it was like very intense. There were like checkpoints everywhere. There, were, And I remember the first checkpoint that I ever like went through it was like very just scary, you know, like as a young nine-year-old being like, oh my God, this person has a gun. Like what's going on? Like I just came from the U.S. where I was just at recess like the other day when, before school ended and just going through that. And then the moment we got to my grandmother's house, I remember just being embraced with so much love and compassion and that moment, me kind of like as a nine-year-old being like, okay, <laughs> this warmth and this compassion and this love is what I want to fight for until everyone is able to be able to experience this, like without any interruptions, without any checkpoints, without any walls or state violence. Thank you both for sharing such like emotional pieces or what holds dear that we can never even imagine of having since we've never experienced that. Um, as Palestinian American or as Palestinians, what is something that's important that you want our listeners to know? I'm going to start off with this quote actually by like a legend, <laughs> a legend in, in the Palestinian art and literary world. And he's actually a Palestinian who, when he was a young boy, he was driven out of his home during the Nakba in 1948. His name is Ghassan Kenafani. And he's one of our most popular kind of writers and thinkers. And he had this quote, he said this quote back in the 60s. And he said, the Palestinian cause is not a cause for Palestinians only, but a cause for every revolutionary, wherever he or she is, as a cause of the exploited and oppressed masses in our era. And 
he said this in the 60s when things were popping off, when there were the Malcolm X's, when there were the Black Panthers, when there were, you know, in North, like the Algerians fighting the French against colonial French colonial regime. And he stated this, and it's still very relevant today, right? Which is the Palestinian cause is a cause where we are continuing to fight against state violence and colonialism, just like many places in the world are. Thank you, Izzy. Um, Matos, is there anything you'd like to add? As a Palestinian American, what is something, or what are the most important things that you want our listeners to know? So I'm going to also start with a quote from a legend and somebody that inspires me. Uh, this quote is from Yasser, Yasser Arafat. He said, whoever stands by a just cause cannot be called a terrorist. I carry this with me because, you know, I just think through media and through people that are giving false information, our telling me what I am. And I just have to constantly have that in the back of my head, reminding me that what I'm doing isn't terrorism. What I'm doing isn't wrong. And what I am doing is standing up for Palestine. And, you know, I just think the most important thing that I just want people to understand is, although if you live in America and you're not Palestinian, it still directly affects you because it's your taxpayer dollars that is going to this unjust cause. And it's not like I don't know if you noticed, America is not in the best financial situation. We have homeless people in the streets of every state. Our education system is extremely defunded. We need this money. And not alone do we need this money, it is going to a cause that is dehumanizing the people. And I think, of course, it's tragic that Palestinians in Gaza are being bombed and being murdered. Their their homes are being taken away from them. We also need to recognize that Israel's placing sanctions on basic human necessities. They are bombing these lands. They are trying to ethnically cleanse and push the Palestinian people out of where they're from. It's not just bombs that are going off every once in a while, which it's not every once in a while, it's constant. It's just not told constantly. But it's not just that. There's no access to water to some people. There's no access to food. They're completely being cut off. And so I just think people need to understand that it's not a... I also think that people are being told that it's a religious battle, which it isn't. This is a human rights issue. This is a people being stripped of their human basic rights. That's the bare minimum they deserve. And yeah, that's just the main thing I want people to understand and know. Thank you. Thank you, Matos. I'd like to uh, ask if you could share more about uh, the organization you're working with, Southwest Coalition for Palestine. Yes, of course. Thank you. So the Southwest Coalition for Palestine is a organization dedicated to advocating for the rights, the human rights of Palestinian people. And it's based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque is not the biggest state. Not everybody gets involved, but we have to speak out. And our goal is to just educate people because the disinformation that people are being taught is insane. Like people are disinformed of these issues, whether it comes from Western media, whether it comes from anywhere there's falsified information and we have to let people know that it's wrong and they have to learn and their opinion and voice and status in America matters. They matter because they are supporting this cause. And so I think the major thing that we're, our focus is, is to, of course, change the fact that we're funding Israel with billions of dollars, funding their military, the bombs that are killing these and destroying these homes can even be American bombs. Like it's not just money, it's military aid. And it's just, you know, it's catastrophic and it's really upsetting. So yeah, that's what we're about. We're just trying to fight for the rights of the Palestinian people. 
thanks for sharing about the organization. Izzy, can you share about uh, what work you're doing in, for, for the freedom of Palestine and what you're doing in Palestine as well? I'm part of a broad coalition of young Palestinians who are actually connecting with each other here in the in the U.S. and in Palestine and globally to try and put economic pressure on Israel. We believe that the best way to really like get governments and regimes to pay attention to our resistance is to hit them where it hurts the most, their pockets. So there are numerous campaigns, boycott, divestment, and sanction campaigns, particularly that helps within the U.S. context and global context is basically boycotting Israeli products, getting your institutions, whether it's schools, whether it's unions, to divest any investments that they might have that fund the Israeli occupation. An example of this is if there's in your portfolio, your stock portfolio, your institution gives money to Caterpillar bulldozing company you know, those bulldozers literally bulldoze Palestinian homes. So it's trying to get these institutions to pull their money out of there. We're also trying to put sanctions on Israel. And when we say sanctions, it's not sanctions in the terms of what's happening in Iran or Venezuela, but it's to hold them economically accountable. So by sanctions, we're saying we are going to pull military funding until like we're actually, I want to say we're going to pull military funding full stop because I don't believe militaries should exist anywhere, but we're going to pull military funding. We're going to hold you accountable through the International Criminal Court. We're going to try you for war crimes. And we're we're going until Israel can comply with not just international law, but human rights law, basic human rights law. Like we will not be funding this regime. And I think we are doing that in multiple different ways through campaigns, through cultural events, But one thing also that we're focusing in on Palestine and what we are kind of seeing the fruits and the labors of is the narrative shift. Because as Motaz mentioned, it's been really tiring and exhausting to see every time Palestine is in the news, we are demonized. We are classified as terrorists before we even (laughs) open our mouths. Thank you for that. Um, More on that type of subject, uh, what are like good news sources that speak about Palestine rather than like CNN or any other corporate? Yeah, so there's plenty of news sources. I tend to really rely on news sources that bring like footage on the ground, Palestinian voices on the ground. So if you want to read more like comprehensive news articles to learn more, there's Mondo Weiss, M-O-N-D-O-W-E-I-S-S. Mondo Weiss is a great platform. They have They have journalists on the ground who write really great pieces and have been following the news. And every time there's something happening, there's journalists on the ground there. There is like a U.S.-based organization called the Institute for Middle East Understanding, the IMEU. They focus more on giving you like fact sheets, giving you the facts on certain news, current events that happen. They're really really solid to follow. If you want more of like advocacy and like on social media, actually, like if you want to follow a great Instagram page of getting like around the clock, like just news of what's happening in Palestine, that's in English and in Arabic, I on Palestine. So it's I period on period Palestine. They are just like, I know some of these young Palestinians who are like literally it'll be 3 a.m. Something happens, Jerusalem. They're out of their room and they're like, 
heading towards the Damascus Gate to make sure that they videotape exactly what's happening. So they're very tireless and, and a good news source to follow. And then for advocacy reasons, like for advocacy organizations, Adala Justice Project, A-D-A-L-A-H Justice Project. They're a Palestinian organization based in the U.S. that does amazing work that creates these cross connections and also highlights campaigns that people can plug into. And then there's the Palestinian Youth Movement, which is a move, movement of young Palestinians in the U.S. who coordinate protests, they coordinate events, and also do cross-campaign work with Palestinian, young Palestinians in Palestine. And then one last thing, and especially for those who are gearing up to go to university, check out your local Students for Justice in Palestine chapter. They have a Instagram and, and TikTok national SJP. And this is like a great resource for students to learn how they can plug in. They can learn about divestment campaigns, who's your university invested in. And also they do a lot of like coalition work with other organizations fighting against oppression. So yeah, those are, I think would start with that and then you'll be able to kind of expand. Well, thank you for that, Izzy. It's good to know about sources like that. I know it's been asked a few times, but what are like ways that American citizens here, right? or non-Palestinian, how, how can they support these kind of issues and stuff like that, uh, Matas? Firstly, educate yourself and make sure you're not being fed disinformation because that's mainly what's happening right now. Make sure you're looking at the correct you know, narrative. Make sure you're not really, like have your sources, right? And then also just speak up about it. I don't think anybody realizes how important their voice is until they use it. So really, Speaking up about it from a American voice, that's a lot of power that you're holding. And yeah, just literally speaking up about it and educating yourself is doing the most you can do, pretty much. And of course, donate. <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of organizations where you can donate for Gaza. And yeah. Okay. Well, um, it's kind of a final thing. Is there anything else you guys like to add? If you ever get a chance to talk to your Congress people, ask them to end military funding to Israel. I think that that's the main thing we're trying to push right now is divest from the military occupation of Palestine and invest in building our communities here at home. Thank you for coming, Izzy and Mataz. It was a lot to unpack there, but it was, it's like really informative what you're talking about. It's like you went really deep into it. And even though like I grew up with my mom teaching me about it, like since I was like five or something, a lot of the stuff I still didn't even know, which is like, it's good to hear more about it. And I know like the one news source that we did use that I remember is Al Jazeera, which was the one that we had always used. I'm, I'm glad to like learn about all this other stuff. And Matas, you're like 16 and you're doing all this stuff. It's amazing. It's, it's really great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Zan. And actually, dude, I remember when you were coming to SJP events when I was a college organizer with your mom. And I'm like, really, I'm really happy. And like, I just want to say like, one thing that I'm really uh, hopeful about, I guess I would say is like, that young people are, are like, when I was 16, I was like here talking about Palestine and I was probably like all over the place. And I feel like now your generation is kicking it up a notch, you know, like in the sense that you all have such available information about what's happening and making in these connections that I feel hopeful that like that you all are really going to to just like 
shake things up in ways that we haven't seen and we're already seeing it but haven't seen before and um you all are doing amazing thank you for your time and your interview questions zan i think you did really great and motez habibi i'm so proud of you and i just wish you the luck and anytime you need anything i'm i'm here thank you yeah thank you for generation justice i'm zan Dixon. Thank you so much, Izadin Mustafa and Matas Daber, for sharing with us some of the stories and memories that you and your family members have of Palestine. Izadin, I truly appreciate that you shared some of what is going on right now and part of the history of Palestine. Matas, you're doing a great job at informing others and organizing. We are so proud of you here at Generation Justice. Now we bring you Rajin by Nai Barghouti, followed by Demi Palestini by Mohamed Asaf. In Sa'latil Quds ala uladha, Ulul hauladik bishikh jarrah. In Sa'lat ghazi ala nharha, You are listening to Generation Justice. It is so important that we keep getting the truth about COVID and vaccinations out, especially because so many in our community are not yet vaccinated or cannot get vaccinated because they're too young. And because most students have gone back to in-person classes, we bring you a list of suggestions to keep you and others safe. You can keep up with new COVID-19 regulations and cases from the New Mexico Department of Health by visiting their website at cv.nmhealth.org. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, the first step is to register. You can visit cvvaccine.nmhealth.org to sign up. Then you can fill out your profile information and wait for your turn. Once you receive a notification, you can schedule your appointment and get vaccinated. Again, to register and to learn more about the vaccine, visit cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. The CDC's masking guidelines recommend people should wear masks indoors even when fully vaccinated. The Delta variant of COVID-19 is a variant of concern and we should all protect each other by wearing a mask. Many of us went back to school in person this fall. The World Health Organization, or WHO, posted a checklist for students and children to prevent getting sick from COVID-19. Wash your hands frequently, always with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Remember to not touch your face, eyes, nose, and mouth. Do not touch your mask. 
To educate yourself and avoid getting disinformation from unreliable sources, visit the Center for Disease Control, CDC, or the World Health Organization's websites. Again, for local updates, visit cv.nmhealth.org. Don't stigmatize your peers or tease anyone about being sick. Remember that the virus doesn't follow geographical boundaries, ethnicities, age, ability, or gender. Tell your parents, another family member, or a caregiver if you feel sick, and stay home. In a situation like this, it is normal to feel sad, worried, confused, scared, or even angry. Know that you're not alone. If you need someone to talk to, the New Mexico Crisis and Access Line is a great resource. You can call the warm line at 855-4NM-7100. Again, that is 855-4NM-7100. This warm line is available from 7 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. The crisis line is available 24-7 and you can contact them at 855-NM-CRISIS. Again, that's 855-NM-CRISIS. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of education. We'd like to thank our guests, DJ members Isadine Mustafa and Matas Jaber. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Roberta Rael, with production assistance from myself, Barbara Ramirez, and additional production support from Angel Baker Guillén. And thank you to our interviewer, Zan Dixon, and our social media team, Madumita Santana and Kyle Gonzalez. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We are also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the NEE Casey Foundation and, of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Our last song of the night is Dabki System by 47 Soul. I am Barbara Ramirez. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Stay safe, New Mexico. Buenas noches. <laughs>